today is, is our second Sunday for this campaign that we call Faith Promise. And so today is about missions. In fact, as the Church of the Nazarene, as a movement, uh, we have three core values that we are a Christian church. We are a holiness church. And we are a, a missional church. And, and I understand when we use the word mission, um, it, it's a bit ambiguous. I mean, it's hard to really nail down what we mean when we say mission, even though we say in our strategic plan that we are a missional church or we are a church that is on mission. I understand that somebody coming off the street, they would maybe struggle. What does that mean when we say that, that you know, that we're missional? I mean, what's it mean that, that we are on mission? And I understand that mission can be a place. You know, it's a place that we go to and we serve in that mission, uh, i.e., for example, uh, when I was in seminary, you know, they challenged us as seminary students to go down to the, the, the mission downtown Kansas City. And I remember one time or more than one time going down to the mission and preaching and, you know, sharing a little bit of a devotion with those that were homeless that were waiting to be fed. And, and so we shared the gospel through the message, through the sermon. And then afterwards, we began to work in the soup kitchen. And, and we went to a place and we served in mission. So mission can be a place or mission can be, you know, it can be ongoing. I mean, there's so many organizations around the world that, that are in the midst of, of, of helping people that have been discarded or people that have been, you know, trafficked or people that, you know, people that have, um, they've lost their homes and they've lost their jobs and, and people that are in the margins. And, and I understand there are these tremendous organizations around the world that are just doing so much, <coughs> excuse me, so much for the good of mankind. But the difference between the work that is happening for the good of mankind and the mission of Jesus, and by the way, Jesus was on a mission. Remember, Jesus, God becomes flesh. Jesus was on a mission. The difference is, is that, that in Jesus, God becoming flesh dwelt among us to bring us something. And the focal point of that is in John chapter 1, looking at verse 15, and that is when he brings us you know, grace and truth. And that is the grace of salvation and the truth of, of everlasting life, the truth of, of who really Jesus Christ is. So we know that Jesus came, that we might have life and that we might have that, that life more abundantly. But being involved in missions of the church, it, it means something. And there's one passage I, I think that uh, really does a great job in revealing to us you know, what does missions mean for us as a church, as Mission Church of the Nazarene or, or as the Church of the Nazarene? What does it mean to be on mission? In fact, go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew together this morning. We'll go to Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to pick up there in verse 13. And we'll, you know, the whole, you know, the whole compass of this passage will be through verse 20. But we're going to kind of break it up and let it speak to us just a little bit. Uh, of course, it's a, a passage that you are very familiar with. I mean, Jesus here, he feeds thousands of people. And so we go to Matthew chapter 14 and and we begin there, and just a little bit of context, Jesus had just received the news of John the Baptist's beheading. And we read that he, he withdrew by boat privately, and then we begin at verse 13, looking at verses 13 and 14. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now, uh, just imagine here what happens. Jesus, 
in spite of the fact that he gets this very horrible news, this terrible news about, of course, about John the Baptist, which there was a close relationship there, Jesus engages in ministry more than ever. And so what we see Jesus do is really what we're doing as a church is he's bringing hope where there is none. That's what Jesus was about, is Jesus was about bringing hope to where there, there was no hope. And you can imagine the crowd that had gathered, and he's coming in on the boat now, and now there's a crowd, and I can just see all of their sandals and all, all of their clothing. I can hear the hum of the crowd, and as Jesus steps out there into the water, the shallow there, and he, he begins to move towards the crowd, and ministry starts happening. And you can imagine the crowd that is pushing in, the throng that is wanting his attention and wanting to hear the words, because, you know, there, there was something that was happening i mean they had some needs and by evidence of the fact that the crowd had gathered was that maybe they were curious some of them just curious because you know it's fashionable to listen to the the latest philosophy or the latest teacher but i believe it was more than that that they were people a crowd that had needs and and maybe some of them were wanting direction and wisdom for life or maybe some of them were wanting Jesus to heal their aunt or, or whatever it was. I, I don't know, but Jesus does. The scripture alludes to he does heal the sick, but he does not do it without speaking. He does speak, and remember, it's grace and truth. He's bringing grace and truth to them. And so Jesus is speaking, and he brings them something. And it's interesting because the very thing that Jesus brings to them then is exactly the same thing that Jesus brings to us now, and that is hope. Jesus brings us hope. In fact, that's what faith promise is all about. We, we are about talking and, 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 and understanding how we bring hope to mankind. In fact, as a movement, we have this, this world evangelism fun. How many ever heard that phrase before? World evangelism fun. About 50% of it. So it's a phrase. It's, it's really kind of a tithe that we participate in as a church, as a movement, the Church of the Nazarene, and we pay the tithe of our World Evangelism Fund, just as you pay your tithe, because God you know, calls you to do that, we pay our tithe to the movement of the Church of the Nazarene, and that tithe, it goes to corporately the support of missions and ministry around the globe. In fact, some statistics for you, we support over 700 missionary families worldwide. Did you know that? So corporately, as we participate in our faith promise, we are supporting the ministry of over 700 missionary families. We are in 175 countries worldwide, and that's growing every year. Amen. And so we are being impactful. We are having an effect through faith promise. In fact, there are missions and there are missionaries that are going to this particular space on the globe, according to longitude and latitude, a space that is called the 1040 window. And it's countries that if you share Jesus or talk about Jesus or, or, or promote Christianity, you can be beheaded. You can lose your life. And there are missions and there are ministries that are going in there and they're sharing the gospel of Christ and their life is at risk. Amen. And then there 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 is the Jesus film ministry, which is the number one, probably our number one tool of evangelism. 
uh, not only in the church of the Nazarene, but around the world, because it is so effective in sharing the gospel of Christ. And the Jesus film is a, a film of Jesus' life, and we take it into the jungle, or we take it in, you know, to remote areas where people have very little electricity or entertainment, and we share the Jesus film on these mobile units, and they see the story of Christ, and they come to Christ. And Heidi and I did that in Zambia, Africa, and probably that first night we prayed with over 30 to 40 people to accept Christ. I'm blown away by the statistics. Did you know that in America, the, this, the professionals, the experts say it takes $50,000 for one new convert to follow Jesus Christ in America because of staffing, because of budgets, because of real estate, because of buildings. It's an average of $50,000 per convert. But when the Jesus film makes an impact in other countries, it's only $3 per convert. It's only $3 to win somebody uh, to Jesus Christ, to begin to follow Christ as their personal Savior. So what I'm saying is what we are involved in, we talk about faith promise. It is an effective branch. It is an effective arm of the church that is doing the job. Amen. Now, truth be told, life has a way of punching a hole in our hope and dreams. I understand that. Jesus had just received news about his cousin's beheading. And it's interesting that even in the midst of that bad news, Jesus' actions remind us of the hope of salvation. And what Jesus does next, go back to the text now, looking at verse 15 and 16. What Jesus does next is very bold. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said they need to go. They need not go away. Listen to that. They need not go away. You give them something to eat. So being involved in missions for the church, it it means piercing the darkness with light. I mean, the passage says it was evening. I mean, darkness was approaching. And of course, you know, the disciples respond the way they do. But darkness was coming upon them. It was evening. So I imagine the sun is setting or the sun had been set and darkness was upon them. And I'm wondering this morning if darkness has come upon you and darkness is in your life. Maybe you're at a time in life where things are not working the way they used to. And and maybe you're not as productive like you used to be. And the rhythm of life is just not working as it has worked before, and now there is this, this darkness that is in your life, and you're waiting for something to penetrate that darkness. You're waiting for something to help you through the darkness. I don't know what you're going through right now, but, but I look at the example of the disciples because, you see, they have some problems here. We see it in the text. The disciples fall into the not now, not today trap. <laughs> That's what I call it. The not now, not today trap. You see, they start coming up with these excuses like, you know, hey, we're in a remote place. You know, we can't really, you know, do anything. I mean, you look, Jesus, there's no 7-Eleven around here at all. How are we going to feed these people? Or maybe possibly, you know, obviously it's getting late. And and I can imagine them saying, well, some of these guys are pretty old. I mean, they're too old to stay out this late. We need to get them home. Or maybe they're too young to be out late. I mean, all kinds of excuses. And so they say, what's the disciples do? They suggest, let's send them away. Let's send them away. Let's deal with this tomorrow. Let's do it another day. Oh, one day I will sacrifice or one day I'll have faith like this, Jesus, or one day I will give. Let's send them away. And they say, send them back to the villages. I mean, if anyone's worth their salt, you know, I mean, 
if somebody is really, you know, uh, resourceful, they can take care of their own needs. They can find their own food, right? I mean, if they're really strong, they'll pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I mean, Jesus, I mean, just let them deal with it. But what happens, I love this, because Jesus upends their world and he says this to them. He says, you give them something to eat. And essentially, he says, you become the light of hope. You have faith. You sacrifice. You exercise this faith that I've been showing you because people are waiting for something to place their hope in today. They're waiting for the light of hope to shine in their life. They're waiting for something to pierce the darkness of the life that they're living out in this world. You see, that's what faith promise is about. It's about shining the light in the darkness that people might encounter the living light of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget getting lost when I was 10 years of age and I'm a little hesitant, you know, sharing this with you because I'm I'm afraid I'm going to have to give up my man card. I, I was about 10 and I got lost in the forest. My parents had bought a restaurant in Baker City, Oregon, and they'd bought it from a couple by the name of Lauren and Hazel McBride. And uh, they were wonderful people. They they went to a Nazarene church, the Nazarene church there in town, and they became friends with my folks and and they had a cabin. And so, you know, trying to give mom and dad a break, give the whole family a break, they said, hey, use our cabin. And so we went out to the cabin way up in the mountains of Oregon. And in Oregon, by the way, there's a lot of wild animals out there. I mean, there's, there's bears and mountain lion and cougars and all this. And so I don't know what my mom and dad was doing in the cabin, but I went outside to play and I began to wander off. And before I knew it, I, 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 was, I wasn't sure where I was. And so I, I began to kind of, you know, find my way back to the cabin. As time passed, I was unable to do that. And, and as, as more time passed, I realized that, that I was lost. I was only 10 years of age. And again, I'm afraid to tell you, but I, I think I started crying because I, I'm lost. And the sun begins to set. And you can imagine in the forest, and I'm only 10 years of age, and I'm in the forest, I'm by myself. And you can imagine how the shadows were cast by the trees. And, and, and you know, we, we think that the forest is quiet and it is peaceful. But if you're by yourself and you're only 10 years of age and you listen, There's a lot of noise in the forest. You know, there's the trees moving in the wood that is cracking and there's the squirrels that's digging in the ground. And so there were all these noises and all these monsters when I was 10 years of age and the shadows and all this. And as time passed and more time passed, I was lost in the woods and I could not find my way. And now the sun had been set and it was dark and I was all alone and I was crying for my mommy. And as I was looking and walking and trying to find my way, I noticed there was just a spark of something there in the distance between the trees. Was it something? Yes, it was a spark of light. And, and I began to move that direction. As I moved that direction, the spark kind of became a glimmer. And the, the glimmer began to shine. And I began to move a little bit faster. And, and pretty soon I realized that the light was the porch light of the cabin. I began to run and jump over limbs and logs. And I began to move that direction. Why? Because I'd found my way and the light was shining in the dark. Jesus is that kind of light for mankind. He is that light for mankind. And folks, people are waiting for the light of Christ. And so what happens in our text? We come back to the, the, the story and, and we look at what the disciples do, what they, how they respond, and, and they come up with another excuse. Okay, Jesus says, okay, we're going to do this ourselves. And so they go and they gather. And what do they bring back? They bring back only five loaves and two fish. Only five loaves, two fish. And Jesus, what does he do then? He, he basically, in essence, 
He says, commit to the mission. Commit to the mission, whether it's, it is rising to the call of God on your life or, or praying for and encouraging the missionary or, or pledging resources. But as a church, we are participating in lifting Christ up by lifting others up. I love verse 20. Look at verse 20 for just a moment. We read there, they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and they were satisfied. I mean, the miracle had happened. And the impressiveness of the size of this miracle is possibly a threat to the real lesson here. I mean, th- this, this was big. I mean, the bigness of it was there was 5,000 men and not counting the women and children. And it deserves attention because God is a big God and he does big things. In fact, nothing is impossible with God. In fact, the Apostle Paul gives his life believing that, that nothing is impossible with God. Jesus goes to the cross believing that nothing is impossible with God. The world was not too big for the mission of Jesus. The mission of Christ is still relevant today. But the lesson, you see, the lesson is Jesus was showing them something and being an example of the very God that we worship, a sample of faith in action and the holiness manifestation or the holy manifestation of God's Son in us. Jesus was showing them that we lift up Christ. Listen to this. We lift up Christ. By lifting others up. I mean, sure, the crowd was satisfied that they they had food. They had enough food that they were full. But have you ever had a meal where you're full? I mean, and maybe it's the company. Maybe it's the type of food that you you had just eaten. and, And you're completely full, but you're not satisfied. Have you ever experienced that before? That you're just completely full, but you're not satisfied? You see, that's how the world leaves us. And we want to get full of the world and full of the things that this world has to offer. But folks, it will not satisfy like the message of Jesus Christ. It will not satisfy like when we lift others up and we commit our lives to lifting others up and sharing Christ with them and seeing their lives transformed and the light piercing their darkness and the light shining the darkness because of what we're committed to in the gospel of Christ. Nothing will fill us up. Nothing will satisfy us like lifting others up. In fact, I, uh, I think of uh, a couple by the name of uh, Norma and Bob Brunson. And I think I have Norma with us this morning. Can we get her up? I believe that we are FaceTiming with Norma right now. So we're going to call her and we're going to talk to Norma. And Norma and Bob Brunson are retired missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene. And... Uh, and there's my friend, Norma. Hello, Norma. Can you hear me? I can. I am. Well, it's good to see you. I didn't hear what she said, but it's good. It's good to see you. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, there, there are a few hundred people that are sitting out here, and I just want to ask you a few questions. But first, let me just offer my condolences um, on the passing of your husband. Uh, how many days has it been since your husband went to be with Jesus? Monday, it will be three Luckily, I believe early, so I didn't have to. I didn't see a lot of people. 
Yes. But uh, we're doing okay. I've got Bonnell, lots of prayer, and her daughter is with us. So we're okay. We're going to pay. Good. Well, but I miss you very much. I have been praying for you. May I ask you a couple questions? Sure. Okay. How long were you and Bob missionaries? Well, we were in ministry for 54 years in the Church of Nazarene, 30 of which we were uh, career missionaries, uh, 30 years career missionaries uh, with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, give her a hand. Yeah, that's awesome. What age were you called to be a missionary? You know, I was 12 years old. My parents had come to the United States on furlough or home assignment from Argentina. And uh, there was a pastor whose name I had forgotten who invited me to go to girls' camp and he paid my way. And it was during that girls' camp around the campfire during full moon where the Lord said, Will you serve me anywhere around the world? And, and it seemed like the moon was a reflection of the other side of the world. And he said, Norma, will you serve me anywhere I send you? And I was 12 years old, crying, and I said, yes, Lord, wherever you send me, whether I get married or don't, I will serve you wherever you ask me to go. Amen. That's the way it worked out. So I was 12 years old. Amen. Praise the Lord. And you spent your whole life serving the Lord in missions. Well, I'm trying, and I'm still trying to. Yes, yes. Uh, just quickly, what places have you, did you and Bob serve? What places did you serve in the Church of the Nazarene? Just kind of, just a quick nutshell there. Uh, we were in uh, Peru and in Costa Rica and in the Middle East, living in Lebanon but serving in the Holy Land serving in Jordan and Syria in theological training and uh, leadership training. Okay. Just share with us in just the next few minutes here, share with us um, under what conditions did you have to leave? What happened in that last assignment and, and you, you guys had to leave pretty quick uh, in, in your words? What happened? It was December the 5th. Uh, 2005, we were part of Lima, Peru, uh, excuse me, in Beirut, Lebanon, and we received a call from the American Embassy in Beirut, and they said, we need you to come to the embassy immediately, which we did. They said, be careful. When we got there, after a lot of going in and hiding and moving us around, they told us that within the next 72 hours, we they had intercepted a cable and within the next 72 hours, we were targeted to kidnapping at a traffic circle that was right next to our school and church in Beirut. And they said, you know, you're going to have to move into a hotel. You're going to have to change your tri- driving pattern. And so we said, we cannot just walk out and tell our church we were targeted for kidnapping. You're going to have to let our leaders know, which they did. They called our leaders who were in a meeting at that time in Switzerland. That's the, where the regional office is for the Eurasia, Eurasia region. And um, Lyndall Browning and 
Donald Crocker were there, and they said, Father Norma, get out now. And you know, the American Embassy, the Lord, and our church was so helpful because I was out in six hours, and my husband was out in 24, and we had, at midnight, we had two cars with four men. They said, these are the men that are going to come pick you up. And it was during Ramadan, so the streets were full of cars and people. And uh, there I got into a car with four men, and they drove me to the, embassy, to the airport. They stayed with me till my Lufthansa flight came, and they watched over me till I got on that plane and left. The parting was difficult. I cried. I knew I would never get back. And then they did the same thing with Bob. We thank God. We uh, don't, we, there's a lot of details that I could share, but at another time. But we are grateful to the church. We are grateful to the Lord. And we're grateful to the United States Embassy in Beirut, Lebanon, for being so on top of whatever security issues were going on at that time. So we were made it safe, and we thank God. So for just that, the, that those hours, it probably seemed like a long period of time, you guys were afraid for your lives. Absolutely. And when Bob said, told me goodbye at midnight, he hugged me, kissed me goodbye in our apartment, and I got in the car with these guys, he wasn't sure that he'd ever see me again, but we had to trust what the embassy had said. Amen. It was very harrowing. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you a lot of things, but <laughs> just trust me that God was with us. Yeah. And we we just trusted him, and the church was so good to us. And uh, so we just thank God. Amen. And uh, someday I'm going to write a book. I have the title, but i got to have more than the title. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Norma, when you came to my church in Florida... I put in your lap a class of 200 students. We had a Sunday school class that had 200 people in that class. And, uh, and you took that class over, and the people loved you. And I understand somebody's teaching, somebody else is teaching that class, a pastor now. And, uh, but you, you, after all of that life and all that mission work, you came and you blessed this pastor. You blessed Tony Miller. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to have this congregation pray over you right now, especially the passing of your husband just within the last few days. I'm so sorry for your loss, Norma. Bob was a giant of a man. I know he loved Jesus. I know he is with Jesus, Norma. Let's pray for them. Precious Father in heaven, I pray for Norma, and I pray for her kids. And I pray, God, that you would bless, the Lord, this ministry that Norma has even right now in Florida. I pray that you would bless her children. Her children are on the mission field. I pray that you'd bless those children. I pray, God, that you would comfort Norma right now in her loss. I pray that Norma will build to sleep well. I ask, Father, that, that, Lord, that Norma will fill your presence in her life as she has all along. And, Lord, thank, thank you for Norma and Bob Brunson. Thank you for this couple this family that gave their entire professional career serving in the church of the Nazarene. In God's name we pray. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Norma. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
I'll see you. you. I'll see you again one day. General Assembly. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Amen. I want to have the ushers to come and help me this morning. Ushers, won't you come real quick? And I, before we're done today, I want to make sure that everybody, everybody here, everybody in the building, and, and go out in the foyer and everywhere, uh, has has a card in their hand. I know there were some in the bulletin, um, but I want to make sure that uh, that everybody. I want to make sure that everybody has a card in your hand. And, and so uh, just go ahead and raise your hand. If you do not have a card in your hand and you didn't, you know, there's one in the bulletin, but you might have only taken one bulletin for, for the two of you. So let's make sure that we have a, a card in everybody's hand. And I want to, I want to talk about this pledge card. I, I had Norma, I had her jump in on our service because I was thinking about what's it mean to serve you know, God with your entire life as a missionary. And Norman and Bob, you know, they were just great, shining examples of what it meant to just be a mission, a missionary in, in a part of God's, God's kingdom. And, and they, they had some challenging times in their, their years of ministry. That's what faith promise is about. Faith promise is about, you know, getting behind and supporting you know, 700 other couples or 699 other couples, around 700 other families that are in full-time mission service. And that's what our World Evangelism Fund is a part of and about, in addition to the ministries that Barry Jones shared with us last Sunday, because there are many other ministries that we're involved in as a church. And, and I want to invite you to, to be able to participate in this faith promise. Um, what we're going to do is I'm just going to, I'm going to pray and give you, you know, some of you have been thinking about this already since last Sunday. And by the way, last Sunday, I prayed for you. I prayed for a congregation. I prayed for the services. I prayed for Barry. And I prayed for your heart as you begin to think through about what you might pledge in faith promise. Let me define faith promise for you. Faith promise is not what you see that you have or that you see that you can afford to commit to missions. But it is, a, it is a promise that you make in faith. That in faith, God is going to provide this, this amount that God lays on your heart. So it's not, okay, I can afford to do this, honey. Yeah, what can we afford? No. It is saying, Lord, I, I believe in missions. I believe in your missionaries. I believe in the kingdom. And Father in heaven, what is the number that you're giving me, that you're speaking into my life about? And, and then take that number and, and put it on the card and pledge as the Holy Spirit leads you because it's a pledge in faith and you will be surprised how God enables you to pay that pledge. I, I love hearing testimonies. I've, I, I've heard a testimony from a, a precious little lady that, that was on Social Security and she did not have an extra $100 a month at all. But she made a pledge of $100 a month and in faith, believing that God would provide that $100 a month and guess what? At the end of the year, the next year, she testified how God provided that $100 in miraculous ways so that she could live up to her faith promise. And so I want to invite you to just think about what God is challenging you to do in this faith promise. Um, you know, maybe you've had a, 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 an amount in your mind because you paid it last year. Maybe God is challenging you to stretch that amount. We're, we're not in Lebanon. We're not in, in Syria we're not having to risk our lives, but there are people that we support, that this supports, that are risking their lives for the kingdom. Amen? 
And so I want to invite us to just uh, take a moment as we sing, and I want to invite us to fill this out. This is the day, this is Sunday, it's the day that we fill this out. And as the Holy Spirit leads you, I'm going to have us just lay them on the altar. In fact, I have mine, and I'm going to be the first one, and I'm going to lay it on the altar. And I want to invite you, as the Holy Spirit leads you, go ahead and fill that out. Participate in faith promise this morning. And as the Holy Spirit leads you, we're going to have some music here. This will invite you to just come and lay it on the altar. And I'll come back and conclude the service and close. Um, but if you need to leave and go to Sunday school, you can do that. No parameters here. But let's just worship. Let's fill out our pledge cards. As the Holy Spirit leads you and you finish that pledge card, come up and lay it on the altar. You're giving it to the Lord. You don't have to put your name on it. It's a faith promise. It's what you believe that God's going to enable you to do in faith. Not what you can do, but what God can do through you in faith. And so let's all participate and lay our cards on the altar as the Holy Spirit leads us, just like these guys are doing right now. And let's do that. Amen. Let's stand together. Maybe it will be easier as we stand so you can step out and come and bring this card and lay it on the altar. And let's have a great faith promise Sunday. Let's bring this to conclusion and allow God to be lifted up as we support our missionaries around the world. Amen. Bye.